truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. You may be uh, thinking to yourself at this point in time, I do not look like Steve Dace at all. Uh, You'd be correct. (laughs) I am Sarah Gonzalez here with Jason Buttrell filling in for Steve Dace, who uh, I hope is enjoying his President's Day. Is that why he got off? I don't know. I have no idea. I just know it's President's Day because... Uh, maybe he had to take care of his kids because that's I'm trying to juggle right now uh, working and taking care of the little one because, you know, school holidays just kind of screw us in this industry. I should have used <laughs> that excuse as well because yeah. my kids are also I, I noticed when I was walking out the door today, all my kids like the entire house was quiet. Usually my daughter, my daughter wakes up before I do to start really? putting on makeup. She's 16. Yeah. And she puts on like a like a seven layer coat of makeup, which I'm like, girl, you don't even need that stuff. It's insane. Uh, but 5 a.m. The girl's up there doing her makeup. No. 5 a.m. That is dedication to the cause Big right time. there. I, I'm gosh. actually, I'm impressed by that. I don't wake up that early to do my makeup and I'm really into makeup. Uh, so uh, I want to tell you about a story that happened this weekend that I found quite interesting uh so this has been teased by the way and i can't wait to hear this it was well i mean i don't want to i'm not overselling it (laughs) right i just you know we want to get into first of all got a lot to get into jesse smollett we're going to talk about um but the you know national emergency thing we do want to touch on um so i was telling him as we were talking about what we wanted to cover today uh i said oh man i got a story that kind of ties into this trump spending bill national emergency on the border and uh, it happened at a hibachi restaurant. Okay, yeah. And Jason's like, I'm sorry? Even if you say you didn't oversell it, <laughs> you in- that's instantly an oversell. Hibachi and national emergency. It happened, I'm like- it happened, at, it happened at a hibachi <laughs> restaurant. So I was at a hibachi restaurant with, uh, with the fam this weekend. And it was, you know how they have a bunch of chairs and just whoever comes in at that time kind of fills those chairs. So you could be seated with... Some other people. Which is always uncomfortable. That's the only thing I weird. don't like about it. It is weird. But I'm such an extrovert. I don't care. I'm like, I'll talk to anyone. All right. So hold up. So yeah. what, what if this is a first date and you're and you do a first date like that? Because I would not do a first date. Like it, would, that. Was that like a cop out? Um, it's like, oh, it's going to be the two of us. But oh, yeah, there's gonna be all these strangers around. So if, I, if we don't get along, then we can talk to all the other people and make it easier. It might. Yeah, that, there might be something to that. I wouldn't call it a cop out so much as just poor planning. And poor judgment, because if you really want to get to know, uh, you know, the woman and have the woman get to know you but around like, a bunch of other people is not really the place to do that. Like, like, for instance, uh, movies, like if you're going to take someone to, to, to a, yeah, like, yeah. why would you take them to a movie where you're not going to speak? You're going to sit next to each other for like two and a half hours and not speak. Crap. So this is why I failed at dating so badly, because I was just thinking, what would be my ideal first date yeah. that pretty much gets me out of having to do anything like uncomfortable? Hibachi restaurant to start, <laughs> movies <laughs> movies to follow up, done. <laughs> you sound like you've taken a lot of interest in uh, actually getting to know uh, your woman, Jason. I'm sure your wife is very, very proud. Um, but so we're sitting there with, it's just the three of us, and then apparently um, this little boy, he I think he said he was eight, and his aunt, because his parents were out of town, so his aunt was taking care of him. So... Um, we're sitting there and now I want to I want to clarify this is a hibachi restaurant that we purposely went to and asked for a specific chef because this hibachi chef is 
the best. He's, How often do you go into this place? You have your I own mean, personal chef at the restaurant? Yes, well, <laughs> we do have our own personal chef. Uh, no, but he, we just, we went there before and he was really good with our son and, you know, um, joked around with us and just, he was really cool. It may also have something to do with the fact that he has this little bottle of sake that he counts <laughs> and actually squirts in your mouth from where he's standing. Okay. And counts to like 30 and you have to just continue gulping it down. Maybe it has something to do with oh, that. Yeah. Who's to say? No, it was about it was about the son. Obviously, <laughs> how, he, how he treated my no, kids. He really is really, really good with the kids. <laughs> so we asked for him. We got him. And, um, you know, we were kind of talking, conversing with the aunt and her son and, you know, conversing with the hibachi chef who is he jokes around. You know, he's so, for instance, he. Um, asked the the young boy asked the hibachi chef where he was from. Now, I'm this isn't. I just want to be clear. Not this is not a racist comment that I'm making. <laughs> he very clearly was was of Asian descent, as most hibachi chefs are, right? So he very clearly was of Asian Asian descent. So he made a joke that he was from Mexico. So he said, oh, I'm from Mexico, and then they started talking about Mexico, and so he joked that he was from Mexico. But the little boy, who did not know that he was joking, uh, during this conversation, turned to him randomly and said, you know, Trump's going to build a wall where you live. Oh. And we were like, ah, uh, oh, what do we do? Is this is it acceptable to laugh? Like, do we just brush it off? Do we pretend that we didn't hear it? Is he, He's building the wall like in downtown Mexico City. <laughs> Or like downtown Tijuana. But I mean, this like, little eight-year-old who like who knows what, what he's been hearing from his parents that he just, and he didn't say it mean. He did, It was very casual. He was just like, hey, you know, Trump's going to build a wall where you live. You know what's crazy? And that's it. And the, <laughs> and the man, I mean, he thought it was hilarious, but he said, uh, yeah, you know, Trump should, uh, he should take a lesson from China where I'm actually from. And, you know, that great wall. That's do we get so much money from tourists visiting the Great Wall? Trump should set it up like that and have this wall be like a tourist attraction and charge people to go there and that's how we can pay for it. But it was just so awkward. I mean, I was dying inside. I thought it was hilarious this little kid told this man that and is like out of the mouth of babes. You know what? You know, you never know what your kids are going to soak up and say to someone to embarrass you. You know what's weird and it's actually kind of sad is like the unpredictability of kids now. They're they're very predictable in how they're so willing or, to talk about politics now. Yes. Like I never talked to I never talked about that junk. Yes. It was all about sports or movies or you know whatever. Pick know. any other topic besides politics. But now like I remember I I was just real recently I was going to pick up my son from junior high school mm-hmm. and there's like a little playground uh, right right next to it and I just go sit there and at the picnic tables and you'll sit there and I was hearing non-stop conversations of kids talking about how oh you're racist or oh you know because of this you're talking about other like random like social justice type stuff I'm like I'm looking at them and they're like 10 years old yeah literally they're yeah. like 10 12 yeah like, why are you talking about it? So it because was it's all everything. their parents are talking about. You think that, that's what it is? The yes, parents? that's what they hear. That's what they hear their parents talk about because everyone now is obsessed with politics and with uh, SJW, with social justice uh, things that that's what they're hearing. And then their parents turn on the TV. They turn on the news. What What's being reported there? It's all that. That's 
all that our children are hearing from us. Yeah, and I would, I, I would, I think a little bit. I think a lot of parents have been political, over, you know, going back decades. I think that's even it's even magnified that tons more is like social media. Yeah, because like every kid now has social media accounts. Yep. My daughter has got every single one of them. Oh, and she didn't speak to me for six months, uh, by the way, at one point because I made her follow me and I had to follow her back on all of them. <laughs> oh, Sarah, you have no idea. That was World War Three. What? Did not speak to me. This is not an exaggeration for six months because what, of that. What did she have a protected account? Uh, what, do you, what does that mean? Like if it's private? Yeah. Where? You, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like so, so, Instagram so, so is all you private. were making her follow you so that you could keep tabs on what exactly. she was doing. Yep. Which yep. is completely reasonable. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. But then, and I was, but you can't rationalize it. I was trying to rationalize it through. I was like, yeah. there are predators out there. Yeah. You never know. But she was like, you're invading on my privacy, and now, and then I was getting mad. And I was like, you're dang right, I'm invading yeah. your privacy. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like getting all crazy. But all of like I look at all her friends, all the stuff they talk about. Uh-huh. It's all politics. She's sixteen. That's like, insane. Why should she care about politics? That is insane. But they do. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but so anyway, so everyone apparently is talking about Trump's border wall, the wall, which he, you know, as we know, is going to get it built through national emergency. Now we covered this a little bit on Friday on the news and why it matters which you can watch weekdays uh, on Blaze TV at uh, 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central. So we we talked about this on Friday, um, but it was still just coming out, uh, all of the details of you know him signing the spending bill and just the awful, awful things that are attached in this bill that no one else was covering. No one else was talking about the fact that it's basically giving amnesty to, uh, what, children? Who are who are coming in illegally and their caretakers and people who what live in the same house as them or their caretakers right. or people who might potentially at some point in the future live in a house with illegal children and their caretakers. So it's literally everyone living in the United States might qualify for that. And in the amnesty, which you completely laid out, is just is is that is reason enough just to say I'm not signing this yes. dumpster fire of a bill. Yes. But like for, this- especially for the amount of money that he's getting in exchange for signing that. Like it's pennies. Five billion? Yeah, I mean, it's, Sick one point six billion. Yeah, yeah. One point three billion. Well, oh, that's well, what, oh, right. There it we kept go. Going down. That's what we landed on. <laughs> Five billion was the like two times ago. Uh yeah, but even even the, this this is probably the most evil thing that, that I have a I'm having the hardest time dealing with right mm-hmm. now. And that is let's say a kid shows up, and we were talking about this on Friday. Let's say a kid shows up, unaccompanied minor. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably wasn't that way anyway. Someone told that child to, to go up there. But let's say a kid just standing there and declares himself unaccompanied. Well, literally any Joe Schmo <laughs> that's around can walk up and say, yep. I will look after this child. Yep. I'll be I their be caretaker. The, I will be your caretaker. Mm-hmm. I will sponsor this child. Then that immediately grants them both access into the United States. Yeah. So, which, it, which does not protect these children. Oh, my gosh. As the left always wants to act like, you know, re- Republicans, conservatives are, are the evil ones. They're not protecting these kids. They're locking these kids in cages. They're snatching them up and locking them in cages. Oh, but we want to leave the kids liable to be sex trafficked or, you know, to be uh, taken in by some random stranger who we don't know their intentions. What could possibly go wrong? This is this is how human trafficking rings mm-hmm. get stronger. This yeah. is like straight up like this is how 
I can't. Like, there's so many. I, I could see like uh, certain uh, families getting their kids across the border easily by just doing this, then having a random person that they know say, I will sponsor like a friend, mm-hmm. and then eventually setting up for them to come later. Right. That can happen. But also, if, if you were on a human smuggling uh, ring, you just. Place the, you drive these kids up to the border, you place them all out there, you back off, you walk up a little bit later and say, hey, we'll look after them. Boom. Now the trafficker just got over and his victim just got over. Yeah. That is insane. Now, if you know this, how do you sign this bill? Granted, it was like a 1,200-page uh, bill. Yeah. So I can see how not everyone read it, but come on. Well, but that's also not a reason to, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to just say, I mean, we read the summary page. We know the highlights. We'll just we'll just pass it. And then, you know, if Trump says the same thing, well, you know, I I, I was briefed on it. <clears throat> I didn't get into the fine print, but I'm going to sign it. Like, no. no, that's not a reason to rush to sign anything, which is exactly what we said when Obamacare was being talked about, when they were talking about passing the ACA and Nancy Pelosi came out and said, well, we have to pass it so you can find out what's in it. We all stood back and we said, that's not the way this is supposed to work. And the, we're not supposed to do it that way. We're supposed to read it first. And the reason being is because if you go to the way these things read out and they're so annoying, but Glenn's made me read like all of these. It's so <laughs> annoying. It takes forever. But how these things read is there's little subsections. So mm-hmm. subsection 200, you know, B, paragraph B or whatever. But if you just read like basically like the topic sentence mm-hmm. for going back to junior high English class, if you read the topic sentence, the topic sentence might say in subparagraph 200 or section 200, we'll say, we provide you $1.3 billion for the wall. Now, if you see that, you're like, okay, well, at least we got something. Right. Now, if you read the context, what you're talking about underneath it, and this is actually in the bill, it says, but in certain paragraphs later. That $1.3 billion is subject to an agreement between the legislators on the, on, in the certain counties where we have greenlit you to build these. Yes. Now, that's all in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Mm-hmm. If you look at those areas and if you pull up like a little chart, I wish I had that to show up on the screen right now. But those well, well, I mean, maybe maybe you could have been prepared. Jason. I could have sent that in. You could have uh, sent that night. in and been prepared. But I figured you would because we we're just like in <laughs> sync. But um, uh, I just blame it on you. That's Thanks. the best thing. Um, but if you look in those the areas, they right another win. <laughs> they uh, they voted overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton. Overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those areas. So that's also in it. So there has to come. So uh, uh, the uh, local legislator there can just veto it. Yeah. Straight up. If they don't, we want, don't it, want it, straight up veto mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also says that uh, these certain areas, the wall cannot be built. And those are all like public land areas. Mm-hmm. Those public land areas surround those areas that were heavily voted, uh, uh, heavily voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So it's either a public land you can't build or it's in a public and uh, a person that's a democratically dominated spot, Democrat dominated spot. So in other words, the wall's not getting built. Right. Those funds will never be allocated to build, not a dime probably mm-hmm. will go to build a wall in those areas. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah. But but everyone voted for it mm-hmm. and our president signed it. Now, do you think, because I struggle with this, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to believe this, but part of me really thinks that they actually did know all of this, but assume that the average American is too stupid or too lazy to actually go through the fine print and find out, hey, they actually just voted this way for the optics. Yeah. Like, do, you th- do you think that they just, they know, but they're like, no, it's fine because the optics will be that we made a deal for the border wall and the Americans are not going to do the digging required to find out that that's not actually true. 
I think, yes, I, I think you're right. I, I think that um, I, it's been easier now to get information out with Internet, social media and everything. And But I think the amount of people that really, really study it is mm-hmm. small. Yeah. Like the people that we have a very, very intelligent audience. They're listening on to this stuff. They're fact checking themselves. You're such a sucker. Uh, <laughs> but they, but they, but they are. They we, really I are. mean, it just so happens that we do have the most brilliant and talented audience. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. So, but, but but you guys are the minority out yes, there. So yes. the vast majority. It's like the vast majority of people aren't in, in fits of rage getting into Twitter fights every day. It's a small minority of people that are doing. It's that. just you, Jason. It's just me and a few <laughs> other people. Let's be honest. <laughs> It's just you. I gotta stop doing that. You like, do. I'll come into the news show at the end of the day, and I'm just like all like riled up. I'm like, dude, dude. Just, yeah, he's like, I was arguing with this one person on Twitter. <laughs> okay, Jason, take a step back I from stop. the computer. I gotta stop. Take I, a breath of fresh air. I understand. Maybe talk to your family every once in a while if you want to. I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> Other times I go to a hibachi place. You know what I mean? So I don't have to. Um, but anyway, I, I th- but I but I think that um, I, so I think the vast majority of people aren't aren't really digging into this. I think that the Democrats really were looking for something like a big screw you mm-hmm. for an ultimate humiliation for when the actual information did finally come out mm-hmm. that they could sit, they, they could sit back, smile. Nancy Pelosi could smirk and yep. say, look, this was a big middle finger uh, to old D.T., Yep. And the Republicans were like, screw it. We don't care. We feel backed into a corner. We just want this thing to be over with. Right. We don't want another government shutdown on our hands. We want it to be over with. So in the here and now, they were s- both were glad to have this thing done. They did For optics. Yeah, exactly. All, all for all, optics. All for the optics. Mm-hmm. All for it. Making one person look bad. And so we don't look bad. Yeah. And the president, I think, I think he didn't even really care because yeah. he, he knew he was going to sign a national emergency anyway. Right. So he was like, screw it. With the bad part about saying, screw it, I'm going to sign a national emergency anyway, is that you enable amnesty, you enable mm-hmm. human trafficking. There's more than just the wall at stake here. Mm-hmm. He should have done a, cons- uh, a continuing resolution. Yes. Should have done that. Continuing resolution suck. Um, but if in an in a instance such as this where it's so bad, they should have done that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I we would love to hear from you if you guys maybe have a different take on this national emergency and the spending bill. Uh, let us know. You can either tweet us. I am at Sarah Gonzalez TX. And of course, that is spelled with no H because it's just an unnecessary letter. <laughs> Gonzalez with an S at the end. TX. Jason is at Jason Buttrell with two T's. And two L's. Since I'm, you know, uh, being detailed here. But two no, T's and two L's. And also no H. Also no H. And because that would names. be very unnecessary <laughs> in the name Jason Buttrell. Uh, or you can call us at 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. We want to uh, to interact with you on that. Um, so you know, you know what I would love, actually, what? for you to tell me? Because I have I saw this as kind of like a, a, almost like a betrayal. You know, like... I. I I would love to know if you think that or if you're pissed off that there wasn't a stand like this, like we're getting a national emergency now, mm-hmm. but there wasn't this fight back when Republicans controlled both houses of Congress and we also hold the executive. There yeah. wasn't this fight at all, which is why it's still it's like there's no other reason for them to be doing this now other than the optics. Right. They it, don't care. You know, this is this is the conundrum that I'm facing on this, because, look, we all I think I'm I'm kind of positive that everyone listening right now probably agrees that there's an emergency at the border. Yes. We agree with that, yes. right? Yes. Yes. So I believe there's an emergency. I think it's a national emergency. Yes. Opioid crisis is insane right now. The amount of deaths per day by, by opioids alone would con- constitute a national emergency. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if there was another health, uh, let's say from some disease or some illness, and it was that many deaths per day, mm-hmm. it would be a national, national emergency. emergency. It would be a crisis. A cri- it would mm-hmm. be a crisis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But they're unwilling to say that now. So it should be. Um, and that's not even considering terrorism that could come over, like the caravan situation. Mm-hmm. There's an emergency there. Now, the problem is, do you think that we should declare a national emergency to do it? Right. Do you think that the and, agree, and sure, it's constitutional. You can do it. Right. But because something is constitutional, does that make it morally right? Right. It's in the Constitution that they could say, I'm going to tax Sarah Gonzalez and Jason Buttrell 90 percent income uh, income tax. Yeah. They can do that, but does that make it right? Right. Is that conservative? Right, right. Well, and, I mean, at that point, it's like, why have Congress at all? If they're just going to give away their power to the president... And they're totally fine with, you know, the president issuing executive orders when they don't do, you know, when they don't care to act on a matter or the president declaring something a national emergency. I mean, what like why are they there? Why are they there if they are not going to be the ones to say we are responsible for this matter and we're going to do something about it? I mean, why are they there? You know, and and I'm not just talking about the left, because, again, as you pointed out, the right sat there for two whole years and didn't do anything. And again, I know that it's not completely President Trump's fault because obviously he can't pass those bills himself. But I didn't hear him holding their feet to the fire to do it. And that was his top campaign promise. That was he went and visited uh, state after state after state and stood at those rallies and said, we're going to build the wall. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to get it done. And then I didn't really hear from him about it. I didn't hear him pushing Congress to do it when he knew that he had Republican-controlled Congress. He didn't push them to do it. They didn't do it. They didn't care. And now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we'll just give him them. We'll just let him do it. Whatever. It's suddenly become a symbol. It's become a symbol that Mm -hmm. uh, either victory... Or a crushing defeat, mm-hmm. depending on which side you're on, mm-hmm. and that's that, it has nothing to do with uh, security yeah. right now. Nothing to do with dealing with our problems. It's just become a symbol for each side. It is, which is sad. It, yeah, it really is. And 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 precedent is a big thing. Some people have been saying precedent doesn't exist. I, again, I got into another Twitter war from someone <gasps> saying that I know, shocking. What? Someone saying that they were like, precedent doesn't mean a thing. Democrats are going to do whatever they want when they get power next anyway. Um, that's politics. And I was like, no, the politics is not doing something out of fear of reprisal mm-hmm. of what might happen. It's the reason why we never went nuclear in the Senate. Um, it's it's the reason why both sides stay away from that because they knew once once the other person does power uh, gets to power they can literally pass whatever they want yeah. if they go nuclear yeah so we both don't do it right likewise no one has declared national emergency in this manner before mm-hmm. I can't think I've looked through all of them and I don't think this is, it's ever been done in this manner right no one's been willing to do that because of fear of reprisal um, so and that's the politics of it fear of the reprisal but and we have already mentioned this but Elizabeth Warren she tweeted uh, on Valentine's Day. That Something is, very romantic? Yeah, yes, totally romantic. <laughs> uh, she said gun violence is an emergency. Yes. Climate change, Climate is, change an is an emergency. Which is what we said that they would do. That's exactly, we said when this was talked about first, we said, do not do this. Do not do this because it's a slippery slope. And when they come into power, they're going for climate change and they're going for your guns and they will do it all in the name of national emergency. Exactly. And they're saying it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're straight up calling their shot like Babe Ruth style. <laughs> and they, if, if you think that uh, gun violence is prote- they're going to have a hard time with that because of Second Amendment. Think again, because there's already a precedent. Mm-hmm. They've already passed an assault weapons ban. They already passed it. Now, there was a time limit on it and it went out, but 
they've already set the standard. Yes. So all it takes is the next president, whoever is the next president, let's say it's a Democrat. Um, let's say that uh, a, a shooting happens. You know, God forbid this would be awful, but let's say another shooting happens, then they can declare their national emergency, finally go right back to the old assault weapons ban mm-hmm. and get rid of it. And this time, not do, do a time limit on, just get rid of it for good. There's already the precedent there. Yep. Yep. They've um, already showed that, that they can do that and they're willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, Dist D, I believe, is the Twitter name. Dist D says uh, the other optics the Dems get with this law is the self fulfilling prophecy headline Trump can't build wall in Rio Grande Valley because the city doesn't want it, which will yeah, be meant true. to, you know, portray that no border city wants a wall. Look at Trump trying to make these people do this. Against their own will, they don't want it. We all want open borders, which we know is not true, but that feeds right into, uh, you know, the Dems narrative that it's mean and immoral to have some sort of a border. Uh, Kathy says she thinks it's a, na- a national emergency that only 11 Republicans voted no on the right. pending bill. Nancy, is that what you're saying? Kathy. Kathy. Totally agree with you, Kathy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. 11 <laughs> That's insane. We don't have, we do not have a party anymore who cares about spending at all. No. We don't, we just no. don't, we, there's no party. That it used, used to, to be the conservatives. You had to be conservative. You had to be fisc- fiscally responsible. You had to be a that's small what, government that's type person. what conservative person. means. It's what it literally, literally <laughs> in the dictionary. Let's be conservative with our money. And small government. <laughs> yes. And then, and, but none of them now, none of them care about small government. None of them care about how much money they spend. Yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> like what? We don't even have, our party does not have an identity anymore. No. It doesn't. I say but our neither, party. But, but neither, but neither does the left. Neither they're trying, though. They're tr- well, they've got the fringe ones trying to make their identity yeah. this far left, Medicare for all, open borders, new Green Deal, or Green New Deal. Uh, they're they're trying, but there's, there's still some tension there, too. So now we're left with two parties who don't have either either one but the hold- has an identity. Uh, uh, but the holdovers, uh, the, I don't know, I guess maybe like the Nancy Pelosi, Hillary, you know, the Clinton style Democrat, they're in a lot of danger right now, I think, because the big money super PACs, yeah. like Democracy Alliance, people like that, they're promoting those very, very far left ideas. Yeah. They're promoting single payer, there's plenty of free college. What's that, um, what's that chick that ran for governor? Uh, You're gonna have to be a little more specific than the oh, chick she that did ran the re- rebuttal to the uh, to the State of the Union. What's her oh, name? Oh, uh, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. <laughs> By the way, hold on. That was the most bizarre State of the Union rebuttal I've ever heard. It was so weird, and they were like, "Let's have a loser come on and give uh, this rebuttal," and okay. then she just stood there and just talked about herself the whole time. Okay, so it makes no sense. Ha- so you just weird. lost an election. Let's have her be the face of the party. Right now, guess now guess who's been promoting her like crazy? Democracy Alliance. Mm. They have been promoting her like crazy. I guarantee you, is their money that pushed her into that position. That so bizarre. that's scary. Yeah. If, if she's the one they see as the, you know, the like the face, like the, then she is in lockstep with like people like Ocasio Cortez, uh, Omar, Tlaib, all those people. Like that. That's like the style of politics they're going for. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> but that means that they're trying to establish their identity as that far left. I mean, I just wish that they could pick someone to be their uh, spokesperson who wasn't either insanely stupid or just really crazy. I mean, 
these people are it's like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez like get show me someone I can take seriously please <laughs> they can't do it they can't do it I guess because it doesn't exist because in order to believe this uh drivel you, I guess you have to be a <laughs> pretty stupid i mean my, my my first thought is like just let them you know yeah. like if that like sh- we haven't had like someone that's actually wasn't wearing a mask and straight up said out in the open this is what i stand for this is what i believe in right but not only that but to sh- prove in their own how they are how intellectually stupid they are and also proven how intellectually stupid their policies are like that's never happened where they both meet in a head-on collision yep I mean, that's why the people say, oh, you're scared of her. You know, across your Right. No, no. She's a gift from God. her on. Straight, she's a gift. <laughs> she's a straight gift. That's I why. I love it every time she opens her mouth. I love it. So great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Don't ban Shan. Oh, no. Shan, did you get banned? Uh, says, out here raising my hand, agreeing with you two. This is a betrayal, and I'm pissed off too, but... It's what politicians do all the time. And I'm including Donald Trump and the GOP in that, not just the Dems. Amen. Amen. Uh, And then this is interesting. Brand says it's important to note that the House voted 70 percent for the bill and then Senate voted 83 percent for the bill. Thus, the president's veto would have been overridden. And he should have said that in his speech. Mm -hmm. That would have been an interesting thing to point out because then you're you're taking it off of you like. I I don't it's not my fault. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know if the interesting if Trump would have been would have uh, signaled that he wouldn't have signed it. They might not have voted so overwhelmingly for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But ugh, politics. It's a mess. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're actually not listening to Steve Dace, but you're, you are listening to Sarah Gonzalez here and Jason Buttrell filling in for Steve Dace. Uh, don't forget, you can call us 888-900-3393 and uh, you can tweet us. It's at Sarah Gonzalez TX and at Jason Buttrell. Jeez, uh, phone lines are like crazy. I know. Up, so I don't think we're going to be able this. to get to all of them, but, uh, but, but keep the calls coming. All right. So, um, all right. We were talking about Trump. The last segment, um, and then we're going to get into uh, all of this going on with Trump and Andrew McCabe and the craziness of the 60 Minutes interview. Got a lot to talk about there, uh, but first, want to tell you about Cosmo Hurst Kids. All right, so Miss Victoria Hurst, she is, of course, a member of the Hurst family, and she is actually taking a stand against her family's magazine, Cosmopolitan. Because uh, she says that Cosmo hurts, uh, Cosmo is hurting kids, right? By what they put on their covers, what they put in their articles. I think we can all agree that none of it is appropriate for minors. Dude, when I used to take my daughter into the men's restroom mm-hmm. to like, you'd have to like tie like a yeah. thing around her eyes to yeah. take her in there. It felt so awkward. Yeah, I feel the same way when I take my kids now through the checkout line at the grocery store. I know. I tie something around their eyes so they don't read some of this junk. It's I insane. know. And then you don't, I mean, I my, my son is six. I mean, can you imagine how awkward those questions would be? Mommy, what's that? And I'm not even going to say it because you guys might have young children listening so I'm not going to say it. But I mean, when once they start to read, it's all over. It's incredibly graphic. It's all over. And so Cosmo contains pornography that's harmful to children. We all know this. So Victoria Hurst is, uh, she's not trying to censor their free speech. 
all she's saying that uh, is that Cosmo should have states material harmful to minor laws applied to Cosmopolitan magazine so that it cannot be sold to anyone under the age of 18. Totally reasonable. We here at uh, Blaze TV are on board with this campaign. If you want to learn more about the campaign and help, please go to CosmoHurtsKids.com. That is CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right. Uh, This is a lot of craziness going on with, uh, you know, first Rod Rosenstein. There was a uh, Rosenstein. There was a uh, report that came out that said that he offered to wear a wire. And then he completely denied that. Right. He said, that's not true. That never happened. I never said that. Well, now Andrew McCabe uh, came out on 60 Minutes and gave this really bizarre interview, in my opinion, and kind of threw Rod Rosenstein under the bus in regards to what Rosenstein had previously said. Let's go ahead and if we can play uh, Andrew McCabe from 60 Minutes. The deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the offer. Um, I did discuss it with my general counsel and my leadership team back at the FBI after he brought it up the first time. The point of Rosenstein wearing the wire into a meeting with the president was what? What did he hope to obtain? I can't characterize what Rod was thinking or what he was hoping at that moment. But the reason you would have someone wear a concealed recording device would be to collect evidence. And in this case, what was the true nature of the president's motivation in calling for the firing of Jim Comey? The general counsel of the FBI and the leadership team you spoke with said what about this idea? I think the general counsel had a heart attack. And when he got up off the floor, he said, I th- I, that's a bridge too far. We're not there yet. That it wasn't necessary uh, at that point in yeah. the investigation to escalate it to that level. That's correct. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, you think, uh, so the way, okay. So what he's talking about, that would be, you would have to go through the FISA program, uh, process to do this mm-hmm. and you can't the, rightfully. So, I mean, Oh, you're not to the point of the investigation where you're going to wear a wire to trap the president into something that he's saying. Oh, wow. That's shocking. Right now. F- the FISA court is kind of like screwy anyway. I don't think any of us really trust it, Yeah, but you can't just show up if you're, if you're the D so the D, um, a person from the DOJ, which would be Rosenstein. And a person from the FBI, which which I guess would have been McCabe at the time, mm-hmm. would have to go up to the FISA court and say, we want to wear a wire into the Oval Office and get some get information on President Trump. You can't do that. No. This is a stage way down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, they would have to do they would have to do old school police work. They would right. have to get a bunch of information to back up why this would be necessary. Right. So you're talking months or years into an investigation. Ah, nah. You're talking weeks or months into an investigation. Then they would bring all of that information up to the court and say, look, we think this justifies surveillance. This is the only way you could do that. And even then, because of the extreme nature of being a sitting president, it would still be difficult to pull off. Right. So what he's describing here makes no sense because Rod Rosenstein would know this. McCabe, obviously, sounds like he would know this. Yes. So now my question is, why is he saying this stuff? Either Rosenstein is incompetent 
or McCabe is a straight up liar. Yeah. Could be a combination of both, but straight up. like I mean, he, neither of them we can trust. I don't think, I mean. Right. They're, they're not, neither of them I feel are credible. So it's like, which liar do you trust? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like McCabe has already been outed as a liar. Mm-hmm. He had got fired because he was a liar. He lied about leaking information to, I believe, the Wall Street Journal. Um, but if it wasn't them, it was somebody. But he got he was found lying because he leaked information to the press. Yeah. Now this is not a partisan hack that found him, uh, you know, uh, guilty of this. This was the Inspector General. So he is about as you know even and fair on this and bipartisan as you can get. Uh, so it's a known it's a known issue that McCabe is a liar. It's a known issue that McCabe has serious problems with uh, President Trump. He was buddies with Comey. He was buddies with uh, both uh, Strzok and Page. They all called him Andy. Uh, Their offices were real close by. Mm -hmm. These were buddies. You had Comey, McCabe, uh, Lisa Page, and what's his first name? Peter? Peter Peter, Strzok? Yeah. And Peter Strzok. They're all buddies. And they all hated the president. So, again, Mm -hmm. when you're... The media has a problem now with not reporting all the facts, and we'll get to that, I think, in the next hour. Yeah. Um, But there's things that they want to be true Mm -hmm. so badly... And um, they all want this to be true. Yes. Right. right at, at the moment. Yes. They all want the president to be guilty of some kind of like crazy Watergate style, Pentagon paper style thing. And they want to be the first, you know, they want the movie The Post, only they want it today's, today's version of it. So they're running wild with the story. I cannot believe it's, it's, it's hard but, to imagine that even this interview, like this is all just. Does right. your source have anything to gain off of saying all this stuff? Of course he does. Right. He's exactly. Off. Right. Well, right. And I mean, you're saying the media is running with it because they want it so badly to be true. But so do members of government. Mm, yeah. You know, I mean, so do, you know, these people who are in high levels of government. Clearly, they want this narrative to be pushed as well. So it, it kind of gives credibility to all of the people who say, you know, as a deep state thing and you know you've got this small uh, handful of people who want to stage a coup and all this it's like I can understand why they would think that and I can also understand why President Trump would be so paranoid about stuff like that you know and it's like it's just not good for the country these people come out here and act like oh well we're going to say this for the good of the country and you know remember that op-ed a while back that was anonymous And it was supposedly a high level official um, in Trump's administration who said, you know, he's not fit and all of these things need to happen. Weird that they were anonymous, but, you know, they said that grandstanded with, oh, well, I just I care about the country and I want to do what's best for the country. No, you don't. You just don't like the guy. And want to push a narrative because if you wanted to do what was best for the country, you would not be writing anonymous op-eds. You would not be going on 60 minutes to go and grandstand about, you know, all of these things. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, This we didn't what immediately followed this up. They started talking about the 25th Amendment part Uh of it. Yep. And I'm just going to read. This is an excerpt from the interview. This is McCabe. He goes uh, and I'm quoting. Discussion. Again, you could have submitted these, these <laughs> clips. Just saying. Shut up, Sarah. Just saying. Discussion of the 25th Amendment was simply Rod, again, mm-hmm. jumping out of quotes here, look who he's blaming. Yes. Rod raised the issue Com- and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. I didn't have much to contribute, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. 
in that conversation. What a sleazebag. What a sleazebag. What a sleazebag. It's completely throwing Rosenstein under it the bus. It was always like, it was Rod's idea. Yeah. It was all well, Rod's I mean, idea. Rod said it and we discussed it, but only because Rod brought it up. Right. I'm just going to say. I mean, come on. And again, put it in this context. Like, they don't have any information at this point. Right. They like... It's, is but it, they want so badly to find some. So imagine if they were a wire, maybe there might be something that pops up that they could use. This is this is insane. <laughs> now this shows that there was a partisan uh, there was a partisan element to this. Yes. Now is it is it out of the ordinary for the FBI with all these circumstances to actually look into the matter? To say, hey, Trump might have. Let's see if let's see if Trump has any Russia connections or right, whatever. Right. Is that out of the ordinary? I would say no. No, I don't. No, it's don't not out of so. the ordinary no. at all. No, really. To see like, and but it wouldn't be because they suspect he's guilty. Correct. Because they might want to just finger. Oh, they're saying Russians might be involved. I want to finger these Russians. Right. So it's not to yeah, bury a sitting president. Right. So anyway, so it's not out of the ordinary at all. Now these conversations, mm-hmm. incredibly that out is, of the ordinary. Right. Especially uh, with no evidence. With, right. no, with no evidence to prove that they, it's like, well, I have a hunch that, uh, you know, Trump may have murdered people at some point. point in time, even though I haven't, I don't have any hard evidence to suggest that, but I just have a hunch. So I'm going to circumvent the system and exactly. wear a wire to see if I can ever catch him saying something that would prove my theory. Exactly. It's insane. These, in, completely insane. These conversations come after the evidence. Right. Not before. Right. right. That's how ludicrous do, this yes, is. You don't get to do this because you think you have a theory that something might be correct. A theory and a want. Yes. yes. It shows it. Now, if, 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 if what McCabe is saying is true, then that kind of gives that not, not kind of it. It does give a lot of credence to, or a lot of credibility to the people that are talking about a deep state coup. Right. Because it definitely sounds that way. Right. It really does. But let's just temper that for a second. Yeah. Because McCabe is a known liar. Exactly. So who and he clearly doesn't like Rod Rosenstein. Right. So I don't. So we need to know more information. Yes, I'm just going to leave it at that. We need more information. Yes, but uh, I mean, uh, the chaos that they are creating within you know the government right now is just absolutely unforgivable, and co- I mean completely uh, you know w- avoidable if they would just go through the proper channels. If they want to find out information, there's a way that you can do that. Going on 60 Minutes and talking about how you were all trying to, you know, uh, secretly tape the president is not the way to do it. Can I point out counterintelligence investigations at the level of the FBI uh, are incredibly secret. Yeah. Top secret, the highest of top secret that you can get. There's a reason why you never hear about these is because that's how classified these these are. Mm -hmm. Now, put that in the context of today. Yeah. You have the deputy, former deputy director of the FBI going on, going 60, on 60 minutes, minutes to talk about a counterintelligence investigation, mm-hmm. which should instantly raise, uh, raise some BS flags for you. Yeah. That this is all total bullcrap. Yeah. And I mean, remember when <laughs> all of the, you know, the, the war between Trump and James Comey was going on and, you know, it was hard because you're like, we can't have a president saying he doesn't trust, you know, our uh, intelligence Um, you know, organizations, but then you see what they do and you're like, 
okay, I kind of understand why the president doesn't trust these organizations because they're showing us every chance that they get that they are going to try to get him. You know, we're, we're trying to get him at a gotcha moment. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about high-level investigations, you know, like you were talking about, Jason. And it's like, yeah, I can totally understand why President Trump would feel like they're not credible because they're kind of showing us that they're not. Um, did you hear what uh, George Conway said recently? No. Oh, gosh. I, I would pay money, actually, <laughs> to have some sort of a bug inside George and Kellyanne Conway's house just to hear the kind of conversations that they have at home. Because, uh, you know, as we know, he has been very critical of President Trump, even though his wife works for him. Uh, And he said, we should highly question the mental stability of a president of the United States who would lie about whether the United States had been on the verge of starting World War III with another state possessing nuclear weapons. Now, he's saying this (laughs) in uh, response to, um, you know, Trump made a comment about North Korea. Right. But we could get into that. But what I'm going to get into is Brian Stelter's takeaway from what George said, which was the husband of a top Trump aide says Trump's mental stability should be questioned. That's the narrative that he wants to paint, right? Just as you were saying, the media has a specific narrative that they want to push and these people are giving them the means to do so. So George Conway says this and Brian Stelter is like, well, he would know. I mean, he is, after all, the husband of a top Trump aide. So I think we should listen to him because he's saying Trump's mental stability should be questioned. Conway, can I just say he's either the worst husband ever? He's the worst husband ever. Or the best husband ever. How would that even be possible? So I, I don't see how they're still together. Uh, unless it's clearly because of optics or whatever. Yeah, I, think, of I think it's or maybe the kids. I think they have younger kids or he's doing this because it's some kind of plan. They both concocted as a team. You know what I mean? So there's that, no way. There's no know, way. Like, no, there's no way as a woman <laughs> that you even if you had some sort of weird, crazy plan that you'd be like, yes, I want you to publicly embarrass me and humiliate me <laughs> and the work that I do. Maybe there's no way he's playing chess, Sarah. He's playing chess and he's several moves ahead of everyone. There's I guess no way. But I was just like, um, I'm pretty sure that George Conway's tweet says a lot more about George and Kellyanne's marriage than it does about President Trump. I mean, I think that the takeaway here is um, it's probably really awkward at uh, family dinners. And like, I'm pretty sure they're probably sleeping in separate rooms by this point because I really can't imagine her cozying up to him he could- after the number of times that he has come out publicly and criticized her boss, who she then comes out publicly and defends. He could be just pissed off. I, I mean, you know, he might be mad that she because what was that? That there was that book that uh, what was that book that came out? Uh, was it um wasn't Fury. That was the most recent one. Um, I can't remember the first one. Dang it. I can't remember who wrote the first one, but uh, th- he was talking about how nobody in the Trump administration expected to win. Mm-hmm. They all expected this to be kind of a launching point for like a Trump TV yeah. or something yes. like that. Yes. And that when it found out he was actually going to win, everyone was devastated. Yeah. And apparently Kellyanne was one of those. Now this is all alleged and, in the, and take it from one of these books. Who knows? Right. But um, they all come from unnamed sources. 
But I always kind of got that impression from Kellyanne Conway. Yeah. Like she wanted to be the Maybe. Megyn Kelly. You know what I mean? She wanted Maybe. to be the next one of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, big pundits. Yeah. And uh, maybe her husband as well was like all on this. Like, yeah, we're going to be like a media powerhouse, you know, power couple. Yeah. And when that didn't happen, then she obviously had a very much, you know, bigger job ahead of her doing this. And right. I, I don't know. Maybe that just foiled their plans and he's just taking it out. Okay, Jason, I, I don't the conspiracy know. theorist. I'm trying to find a good theory to this because okay. it makes no sense whatsoever. Should we go to a call? Yeah. We, um, we can, have Susan. Can you see? Is it Susan? Susan in Rhode Island. Susan. What's on your mind? Good day, uh, Sarah and Jason. Hello. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. <laughs> and I watch you all the time on Glenn's program. Jason, I've been listening to all of your smart analysis out in the Middle East for several years. You oh, do thank a you. heck of a job. Thank you, man. Great job. Um, this thing with the deep state coup. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't think you're getting a lot of calls because most people were so preoccupied with Smollett over the weekend. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about, Susan. The, the I'm not even sure they know about this. <laughs> but this is dangerous. Yeah. We are in a dangerous time. I haven't seen anything like this from within mm-hmm. since Nixon. Now, you're too young. you guys are too young to remember that. I was a teenager and heading into my 20s around that time, mm-hmm. and I remember it. And at least in that situation, there was an underlying crime that we knew about. Yeah. There yeah. is no crime here. Yeah. Agreed. And what they're doing is dangerous, and they're not going to stop. And I'm not sure anyone's going to hold them accountable. Yeah. Susan. And they're looking for a coup or a way in to take over everything in 2020. Mm, good, good point, Susan. Thank you so, so much for, uh, for calling in. And thanks for listening. And uh, up next, do you want to cover small? Do you want to do it? Let's do it. Oh, we're getting in. Welcome back. I am Sarah Gonzalez here along with Jason Buttrell filling in for Steve Dace, who we hope is having a lovely President's Day. Uh, he apparently, I what I think is he is uh, so into history and presidents and government and politics that he just had to take the day off to recognize, just, you know, have that moment to recognize and honor the day for what it is. Spending the day in, in study and reflection. I think exactly <laughs> what that happens. That's probably happening on a beach somewhere in front of a pool. Ooh, that would be nice. Uh, (laughs) Those of you who want to give your input on what we're talking about, don't forget you can call us 888-900-3393 or you can tweet us. I am Sarah Gonzalez TX and Jason is at Jason Buttrell. We just got off the phone with Susan who uh, made some very interesting points about, you know, this being a deep state coup and no one's paying attention to it because everyone's talking about Jesse Smollett, which we are going to get to. But Jason, you had a, a some some a couple points you wanted to make on what Susan was saying. Yeah, and I think this kind of really ties a bow on, on, on this topic before we move on. But it also has to do with where we're going to next. Because Susan from Rhode Island is, um, I like saying where they're from. Susan I don't know, from I Rhode say Island. Um, so Sus- here's that's such an old school radio. Susan, Susan from, from Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. <laughs> Susan from Rhode Island. <laughs> Love you, Susan. Was uh, was was absolutely right. So if, if this went down the way that McCabe is describing, mm-hmm. this is very deep stateish, coolish. It is. You hear these people say these things, and you're like, well, I don't know. That's kind of a conspiracy theory. And then you hear this, and you're like. 
okay, that's pretty much what it is. This is bad, no yeah. matter what, you, how we, however you look at this. Now, what exactly what Sarah said before is that like they're, they're, they they were trying to do these things in opposite order. They were trying to come to conclusions before getting the evidence. Mm-hmm. That's not how these things work. And these are veteran people of the FBI and DOJ. They know how it works. They they supposedly always operate within the system, but in this one case, they decided to operate outside the system. Caveat to this, and this what leads us into our next topic. Mm-hmm. We can't, as the rest of the press has been do, as doing mainstream media, we can't jump to conclusions on this. Right now, this is a claim from Andrew McCabe, who is a liar. Not credible. He, the Inspector General has called him a liar. Mm-hmm. He got fired because he's a liar. Mm-hmm. So. He could. He definitely has something to gain. He has right. an axe to grind. He has a dog in this fight. That's something the media has to say. Look, can I trust this witness? Can I trust this source? Well, do they have anything to gain off of this? Yes, he does have something to gain off this. Right. Well, and to say, to remind everyone, oh, by the way, he also lied about something else. So if we're going to report this and report all of the facts surrounding it, I think that it is, uh, it, it is relevant that he is a known liar. Right. Bring that up, why don't you? Right. So... In conclusion, uh, this is very deep state-ish. It is very coolish if ha- it happened as is being reported right now, as he actually said on 60 Minutes. But he did mention in that radio interview, or I'm sorry, radio interview, in that TV interview, that he told other people about this. He said he consulted with counsel. He consulted with other colleagues. Let's hear from them. Let's get those people, to, let's get them deposed. Let's have them go in front of Congress. They need to be heard from because if we can corroborate this story, there is a lot more there there. Yeah. But let's wait for that before we jump to any more conclusions. But, of course, as is usual, the media just kind of runs with narratives, don't they? Oh, huh. Without looking into things. They do. I believe that there was a little, you know, minor topic going on this weekend about... Uh, Good old Jesse Smollett from Empire. Who I'd never heard of. I, I, I'd heard of Empire before because it comes on like after a show that I watch. That's about it. That's all I know about it. But you know him now, <laughs> no, you know don't it. you? Hmm, yeah, I wonder. Hmm. crazy how it works out that way. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so as we all know, a couple weeks ago he came out and with this bizarre story that anyone uh, who is reasonable and logical and has a brain could have looked at and been like, uh, doesn't really sound quite right. But we're talking about the media. So that didn't happen. And he came out and said, uh, yeah, I was at the Subway restaurant really late at night. And I got attacked by these men who (laughs) threw bleach on me, put a noose around my neck and yelled, what, MAGA country? Yeah, MAGA country. Which, (laughs) by the way, I mean... Can you just for your for a second imagine people just going around yelling MAGA country? That just isn't even believable in itself. Even the people, I don't know anyone who would do that. Even Donald Trump's biggest supporters. The, the hardest course Trump supporters that I know have never said that. Never. Ever. You don't. People don't run around saying MAGA country. But but that's not even more ridiculous that people run around carrying bleach and a noose. <laughs> Just in case. Well, I mean, you, you never know, know. You never who know. You're going to come across that you might need <laughs> the bleach and the noose. <laughs> what? And it was this was in the wasn't this in the middle of polar vortex? 
Yes. So it's like it's negative degrees out that, there. Hey, snow you know and what? ice everywhere. That's dedication to their cause, Jason. <laughs> their guess. cause of hatred I and guess. racism. That is dedication right there. <laughs> going out in the polar vortex just to try to find some unsuspecting victim you can use your bleach and your noose on. Uh, so, you know, he, of course, also said that they called him the N-word. So, you know, well, he called they called him the N-word and they were red hat wearers and they clearly yelled MAGA country. So we're looking at, uh, you know, right wing terrorists because that's what Trump represents. Right. Trump represents racism and bigotry. And I mean, very clearly, that's what happened. There's no other no other story, no other way that it could be anything other than what Jesse Smollett said. Then he went on, uh, he kind of doubled down, right, and went on uh, Good Morning America. Let's listen to some of what he had to say on Good Morning America before, before all of the facts came out. Let's listen. Why do you think you were targeted? I can just assume, I mean... I come really, really hard against. Look at him smiling. 45. Oh, do you? I come really, really hard mm-hmm. against his administration. Mm-hmm. And I don't hold my tongue. Yeah. I want to ask you about Jesse Smollett. I think that's horrible. Uh, it doesn't get worse, as far as I'm concerned. Were you aware that he made that statement? I saw it. I don't know what to say to that. Mm. You know? Um, You know, I appreciate him not brushing over it. And there is no doubt in your mind what motivated this attack. Oh, here it is. I could only go off of their words. Oh. Hmm. I mean, who says empire, this MAGA country, Mm. ties a noose around your neck Mm. and pours bleach on you? And this is just a friendly fight? I will never be the man that this did not happen to. (laughs) I am forever changed. And I don't subscribe to the idea that everything happens for a reason, but I do subscribe to the idea that we have the right and the responsibility to make something meaningful out of the things that happen to us, good and bad. So, uh, no, quite literally, he is the man that this never happened to. Because as we found out over the weekend... He completely made it up and paid two of his friends who were extras in Empire in the show. He paid them both, what, $3,500 to stage this attack and they practiced it and then staged the attack. So do they know that for sure at this point? Because I've I've heard two stories that sounded funky. Like one was that he staged it uh, and it was, yeah, it was something like that. And another one was like one was a lover and it was a quarrel between them or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what John Ziegler uh, who was saying, um, that it was a theory of his on Empire. But but what what we know is that these two men who were identified on the on the surveillance video. They're white, right? Uh, no, they're not. I believe Shocking. they're from Nigeria and they are not white. So, I mean, very clearly self-loathing, right? To be a white supremacist and be black. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is incredibly self-loathing. I mean, and also super awkward when the white supremacists turn out to be black. Yeah. I might add. That just kind of, that adds a little kink to the story. 
uh, but no, but so the police said that um, they came in and they were questioned and they admitted they so and this was this was what I thought after they were released. So they came in, they admitted that he paid them and that they that they practiced it and then they staged it and that this was all a ploy um, that he came up with. Um, and then they released him. They released them because like, what are you going to charge them with? He asked them to do it. Right. So they couldn't arrest them for assault because he was asking them to do it. So they released them because I, I didn't even it was all a plan. I didn't even hear that they had like admitted to that yet. That's that's insane. Is And that's fairly new. Mm-hmm. So like I, before I was like before that information, mm-hmm. I was like, it's either a hoax or it was either a fight. Either way, he took this and ran with it another direction. And then when they were when they were let go, I was like, "That's pretty much confirmation." Because the, when they were let go, and then uh, Smollett, Smollett, Smollett. There's I'm some just gonna say going Smollett. I don't okay. really care. Um, so <laughs> I don't really care to pronounce a liar's name correctly. <laughs> um, he immediately lawyered up with a high powered attorney. Yes. Yes. So that. I mean, I'm just using my crazy powers of deduction here, but that pretty much means that these two Nigerians rolled over yes. on Smollett. Right. And if they didn't... And he's cooperating with the police. Right. So if they didn't have some sort of hard evidence to prove that, hey, this is this is what happened. They pay, He paid us. The police aren't just going to release them. You know what I mean? I, like They very clearly proved to the police, in my opinion, whatever they told them... Uh, which we know was, hey, he paid us to do it and he was in on it. Whatever else they had to show the police that that's true, that very clearly that's what the, the police were convinced. And what the police were not convinced of was the attack from the beginning. Yeah. Which is why they kept doing more digging, because you could tell uh, even without being a police officer, like I said earlier, just having a brain, you could tell that this story was not adding up. You know, what's amazing, Sarah, is that like, you know, like the left's ideology right now is like they have this like victim mentality, mm-hmm. like they have to be the victim on everything. And like that's it's what, popular to be the victim. It, it gets you attention. Oh, if you're yeah. The victim. But what's funny is like you there's They're actually fighting over who's the victim in the absence of real victims. Now they have to manufacture mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the victimhood. Mm-hmm. Now they have to. Ma- this is like a this is a long line of this trend lately yes this is insane like i don't know if yeah let me just read through these Mm -hmm. just a little bit this is just since january of 2017 okay in the past two years um there was a pro-gay episcopal church in indiana was vandalized with hail trump a swatska and an anti-gay slur uh it was actually a gay organ player who did it um he was charged with a misdemeanor for trying to rile up Hmm. uh this stuff and make a false claim um, days after the Pittsburgh massacre, Trump supporters were blamed for Nazi vandalism at a Brooklyn synagogue and fires in Jewish community. It was a, the perpetrator was a gay black man. Hmm. Um, again, he, I not sure. It seemed like he was also charged with a misdemeanor. Um, one week before the presidential election, a black church in Mississippi was burned in an arson attack. Vote Trump was written on the building after much panic an investigation revealed that the man responsible was a church member, Andrew McClinton, also a black man. I could go on and on and on. There's these the cases go all the way across the board. Uh, there's uh, anti-Jewish stuff, swatskas, um, women having their headscarves uh, torn off and even burned in some cases. They're all hoaxes. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them was a hoax. None of them were true. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's uh, a common trend here, 
The media reported on pretty much every single one of them yeah. as if they were fact right from the beginning. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, in 2017, I believe it was, in the same city where this alleged attack took place on Jesse Smollett, there was a mentally disabled teen. You may remember this. It was not widely reported, but we reported on it. A mentally disabled teen was kidnapped, tied up for five hours, oh, and yeah. scalped and beaten by four people on like a live stream like video. Facebook Live, I believe. Yes, it was on Facebook Live. So very clearly there's evidence there of him being scalped and beaten, and they were screaming, F Donald Trump and F white people as they beat him. But that wasn't widely reported. But what the media wants to report are all of these claims with nothing to back it up, no corroboration, very clearly come out later and prove that these are not true. But we don't hear about uh, the people who are being beaten up and scalped and being told F Donald Trump and F white people when it's very clear, like it's on video. It's very clear that it actually happened. We didn't hear about that. Hmm. How do you... And this is in the wake of Covington. Yeah. How do you do this again? Like in the wake of Covington. They don't care because they have not had any negative consequences to this. Right. Like even in the wake of Covington, what happened to them with Covington? Now, Nick Sandman uh, is in the middle of suing them, I believe. But we don't know how that's going to shake out. Mm -hmm. So right now it's like how much, how many clicks How many views did they get when they were sensationalizing this Covington story that they knew was not true? They got stuff out of it. They were positively rewarded for running with these false narratives. Why would they stop now? Yeah. Why would they stop now? And and their base has been energized, even though it, if yep. it, even if it has been proven to be a falsehood, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter because their base is still that all they see is that smiling kid, and they're and they all believe just like what like Bill Maher would say, I, that's somebody I want to punch. Right. That's that's they, they don't care. No. You know what I no, mean? No, not at all. Uh, and then so after this, these facts started to develop in this case. Uh, you had Cory Booker, who. At the beginning, when this Smollett story came out, because, you know, all of the people, all of the high profile politicians and, uh, you know, media personalities wanted to make sure to jump in and dogpile on these awful white supremacists who attacked this poor black man. Uh, So originally, Cory Booker had said that this was a, a, a what modern day lynching. Whatever he called it. He, I mean, he, he called it a lynching. He came out. He came to a snap judgment. And then after these facts started to surface and the police started to connect the dots, uh, he was asked about it. And he had a very interesting take on it. Listen. Well, the information is still coming out. I'm going to withhold until all the information actually comes out oh. from on the record sources. Um, we know in America that uh, bigoted and biased attacks are on the rise in a serious way. We actually even know in this country that since 9-11, the majority of the terrorist attacks on our, soul, soul, on our soil have been right-wing terrorist attacks. The majority of them oh. white supremacist attacks from the horrific shootings in, in Pittsburgh or in South Carolina church. Uh, what we're seeing is attacks on people because they're different. And we all need to join together and condemn those attacks and the hatred and the bigotry that comes that sources them. <laughs> what a ridiculously irresponsible thing to say. What yeah. a ridiculously irresponsible you are literally being told that you rushed to judgment to condemn something that was being purported as some sort of white supremacy incident that was being proven that it was not. And his answer is 
Well, yeah, but I think it's important that we take this opportunity to remind you that the biggest problem right now is alt-right white supremacy terrorism. So he's... But all of these that you just went over a bunch of them. No, it's not. It's just that people are faking it. Yeah. And And the two examples that he brought up is not... A majority by any stretch of the imagination. So the the study he's going to is the uh, Don Lemon. I don't. I think it was Don Lemon brought this up mm-hmm. a little while back uh, when he said, I, "What did he say? He said white men are the most yes, uh, the dangerous, worst danger, dangerous society, or something yeah. like that." Yeah. The study he's actually looking at, well, I, I've looked into before, and it's pretty dang ridiculous. So they look at all of the uh, all of the all of the attacks made by some of these groups that mm-hmm. have been labeled alt right or Nazi, neo Nazi, whatever. But some of the some of the attacks that, that wind up in the list have nothing to do with racism. Uh, basically, it's gang crime. Yeah. So like anytime like if they go and like hold up a convenience store, it's instantly labeled a hate crime because it was done by a hate group. Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous. Doesn't it count? Uh, if Even I'm recalling if, correctly, people in jail. Also, it does. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yep. Attacks that they make in the prison system right. is, is also included. Um, but also like domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, family members fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. So basically it's, it's white on white crime right. within their own family. Right. And it gets labeled. It gets thrown into the statistics of this. Yeah. But they also the vast majority of casualties have been from Islamic terrorism. Right. Vast majority of casualties. Right. So they're, and, they're and just adding up all these random crimes. Right. That had nothing to do with with uh, racism. And don't affect society as a whole. I mean, you can't tell me that a domestic violence incident, you know, that happened in Florida is impactful on, you know, society where it would be when we're talking about uh, Islamic terrorism. Right. Right. I mean, that very that very clearly is not the same thing uh, and should not be counted as terrorism. But again, it doesn't matter because it goes back to your point to, uh, earlier in the show where you said that they're counting on people mm-hmm. not reading into a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Those and but and Cory Booker, if he's ever challenged on this, he'll cite the actual study, yeah. which I believe are FBI statistics. Now, I wish I had the address up here. I would I would have I would give it to you. But Google this for yourself and read through that study. Mm-hmm. And you'll start reading through some of these crimes from all these uh, hate groups and you'll be like, "What does this have to do with racism?" Right. The answer is nothing. This is like gang violence. Yeah. If you added in all the gang violence from Mexican cartels operating here in the United States, you'd probably come up with more. Were were they all racist attacks? No. Maybe a, a small handful of them might be. But the vast majority would probably dwarf anything that any alt-right or Nazi group is doing in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's so they want to build this like uh, this like fake reality yeah. where there is 125 million neo-Nazi skinheads, racists in the country. I mean, seriously, uh, what is there like 11,000 uh, or so? If that, I don't see them in everyday life. I'll tell you that. I mean, I I don't even know the last time I saw one walking around. They barely exist. Yeah. Are there some out there? Yes. Sure. But they the, barely exist. I mean, there are. It, that's what gets me is it's not just white people, though. Every there are racist people of every single culture. And you know what? There are jerks of every single ethnicity and race. Also, we can't like we can't help that there are some people who are not good people who might be racist who might be jerks who like yes that exists in society it's not just white people though i mean you can't tell me that there are no black people who are racist that that just doesn't that doesn't exist that doesn't happen i would venture to say that jesse smollett 
himself. I think that was a very racist thing that he did. He faked something to try to uh, portray an entire subset of the country as racist. Racism is a hum- as white supremacist. He tried to he tried to portray Trump supporters as racist. That's pretty racist. Mm-hmm. That's pretty racist in itself. They're trying to say racism uh, is a race problem, like what specific races have. Uh, that they're pre- because they're white, that means they're going to be racist. Right. Or they have the capacity for it. Racism is a human problem. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's racism on all every single race out there that you're going to find a subset of that race that is racist. Right. It's going to happen. Is it a uh, pen, uh, you know national emergency level where we have so many races on on the rise here in the United States? No, mm-hmm. no, it's mm-hmm. a small minority. Yeah. You know you 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 mentioned uh, Stelter earlier. Yes. So now I've been noticing that he's he's kind of leading this charge that Such a that it wasn't uh, journalists that were that were perpetuating yes. Th- this. Yes. That it was no Twitter we, and people like that. Like, yeah. We just found out from Twitter they never reported on it. So. Please. This is something interesting. I don't even know if we have time for this break. I, I guess I'll just kind of start this anyway. But like there are I, I started looking through and I found that a lot of the uh, like New York Times post, a lot of people, they, they were in CNN. They, they were kind of careful with their language on this a little bit. Like they were they, they did. They did throw out the alleged, mm-hmm. uh, you know, word. Um, you can't really I, I can't imagine that, that good morning. That's America just, thing. That's just legal. Like that that's just because right. they don't they have to throw out the word alleged because they don't want to get sued. But that Good Morning America uh interview, like that was right after that happened. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yes. Like how do you have them go on and tell their story when you haven't confirmed it's true yet? Right. Like that is pretty blatant. Right. I, oh, and and by the way, let me just bring up the cojones that this guy has to know that he completely fabricated all of it and go double down on national television thinking that no one would ever find out that he made it all up. Oh, yeah. He thought he had the perfect crime. Yeah. You know, like no one was ever going to find these two dudes. Yeah. And so dramatic in that in that interview. I, I just can go by their words that they said. I mean, they were black, but I just had to go by their words. They must be my white supremacists. <laughs> I mean, I knew them and we planned it, but I just had to go by their words and... You know, I've been really critical of 45. Well, you know what? No one knew that because no one even knew who you were until you made this whole thing up. Continue on Brian Stelter, please. Well, so so Brian Stelter said this. That there's been a couple of other like journalists that have been trying to come out and say, look, we didn't we didn't publish any of this stuff. What are you talking about? Why are you grouping us in with the rest of the mob? Um, but as I look through this, like pretty much every... Uh, there's a there's a major journalist from every single publication out there that tweeted about this. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go onto their Twitter, um, it, it the first line. What's typically the first line on someone's little description where they work, right? Yeah. So, like senior editor at New right. York Times, yeah, their, or whatever their job title. Sometimes they'll say at the very bottom, mm-hmm. "Opinions are my own." Right. Sometimes they don't even have that on there, but the very first thing is their job title. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just I'm curious, like what the culpability these journalists have when they're writing these hot takes off of Twitter, which actually people probably get their news more from Twitter versus going to their actual publication and reading the article. I think if you have a blue check mark, you have a responsibility to uh, be the, to act as if you were at work. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't mean like, oh, you can't tweet funny dog videos or whatever. I just mean you like you can't have these hot takes and not take responsibility for them because you're on Twitter. If you have a blue check mark and you got that blue check mark because you are a verified reporter, you should be acting as a reporter and not making these hot takes without some sort of credible information to back it up. Yeah. Um, this is a staff writer, New York Post, Zachary Cusson. Empire Star, this is on the 29th, he tweeted, Empire Star Jesse Smollett beaten in homophobic attack by MAGA supporters. Um, then he MAGA. followed it up with, I also hate when cops investigate this kind of blatant S <laughs> as a, quote, possible hate crime, end quote. This is obviously a hate crime. Mm. Uh, Newsweek writer. Um, yes, because Jesse Smollett hates white people <laughs> and Trump. That would be how it's yeah, a hate right. crime. <laughs> uh, Newsweek writer Jason Lemon, Empire Star Jesse Smollett, victim of homophobic attack in all caps by MAGA supporters. Wait, I thought it was a racist attack. Uh, he labeled this a homophobic attack. It's a homophobic attack, too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Daily Beast senior reporter Kevin Fallon, people in MAGA hats recognized and then beat and poured bleach on Jesse Smollett, calling him that uh, derogatory term for mm-hmm. gay people from Empire. Man, I love this intersectionality crash that's happening right now. They're like, it's racist. No, wait, it's homophobic. No, crap. We don't even know. Tripping on all of those. All <laughs> I, don't, I have a hard time understanding even what the word intersectional means. But um, yeah, they're, twi- they're definitely uh, tripping over it. Do your research, Jason. <laughs> it's so weird. It's hard. to. So uh, yeah, let me just say really quick. The writer uh, at Philadelphia Magazine, Ernest Owens, said basically the same thing. Vibe Magazine, never heard of that. But they actually wrote an article saying that it was a... Uh, uh, an attack by MAGA supporters. Uh, contributor at Forbes and Slate, Mark Hughes, said the same thing. Slate wrote an article, no surprise there. Editor at the LA Times, Lisa Fung. Uh, this is that'd be an obvious one that what she would write, but um, she basically said the same thing. Okay, so I'm just BuzzFeed, Engadget, Reuters. All of these are reporters, senior writer, senior writers, editors, producers. Mm-hmm. They're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now. It's interesting that everyone's now trying to say, like Stelter, that the journalists didn't have a hand in this. But all the people that they're the ones who are content, pushing it, they're the ones pushing it out on social media. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, I don't know, like, what do you do with that going forward? Because more people are reading Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that than they are. They're actually they're going to physically typing into right. Chrome, NewYorkTimes.com. Right. So I don't know, like, how do you handle this going forward? Is there any culpability at all? Uh, yeah, I think that there absolutely should be. And I think that there should also be culpability when you're talking about uh, our leaders, our elected leaders, you know, like you have Cory Booker, who all of a sudden wanted to pump the brakes on, you know, let's wait until the facts come out. Oh, that's interesting because you didn't wait until the facts came out when you accused these white people huh. of lynching now Jesse Smollett. And how about Nancy Pelosi, who tweeted uh, at the time. January 29th, she tweeted, the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is an affront to our humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are or whom they love. I pray that Jesse has a speedy recovery and that justice is served. May we all commit to ending this hate once and for all. And magically, if you go back to find uh, Nancy Pelosi's tweet, (laughs) it's mysteriously disappeared, Jason. I don't know where it went. I have no idea. It must be a glitch in Twitter that magically these (laughs) leaders, their tweets are just disappearing into a black hole. Why even bother deleting? You know it's coming back. I know. I know. Nothing goes away on the internet. Like, now it makes you look even stupider. I know. But so instead of 
just, you know, having the the moral integrity to say, okay, I said this, the, obviously now new facts came out and I'm retracting, you know, what I'm saying or whatever. You, you don't even have the integrity to do that. You just cowardly delete your tweet. It's despicable. Absolutely despicable. Welcome back. I am Sarah Gonzalez here with Jason Buttrell filling in for Mr. Steve Dace. Uh, you can tweet us if you'd like to talk to us. Let us know what you think about uh, what we're talking about, which is right now Jesse Smollett and the horrible, awful white supremacist attack. Wait, ho- homophobic white supremacist attack there. Homophobic white supremacist attack on him. Let us know what you think. I am at Sarah Gonzalez TX. Jason is at Jason Buttrell. We were uh, we were talking about um, Brian Stelter, you know, trying to make his points uh, about people really listening to um, what Twitter is that what he was saying? And uh, we were in the middle of talking about what kind of responsibility do people who are reporters and who do frequent Twitter and social media, who do have the blue check marks, what sort of responsibility uh, do they have in making sure that these false premises and accusations and things that are not backed up with facts yet, what sort of responsibility do they have in not perpetuating these things without all of the facts? Uh, And we were discussing it and we went to break and Jason asked me if I thought that Twitter should not allow you to delete uh, tweets. I think it's a really interesting question um, because it would hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But then selfishly I'm like, yeah, but what if I just, I hit send and I realize that I made a stupid typo and I don't want, idiots on the internet to be like, you didn't spell that right. And I want to just hurry up and delete it really quickly and then resubmit my tweet. So part of me is like, yeah, but what if I make a typo or something stupid that I just want to delete really quickly? And then that's where the talks of the, and something we've been as Twitter users been begging for is an edit button. Right. On these. So you can like quickly go in there and edit. The problem is on, on the edit is, again, it takes away accountability. Mm-hmm. So like if someone said something really stupid, they could just go in and edit that mistake out and make themselves look, you know, more intelligent or, right. or less bigoted right. or whatever. Um, so you'd have to have, I think, and well, I think Jackson, Jackson, I don't, there's no, you can't make a white person look less bigoted. Right. Just by your very existence, I go look at your birth. profile picture You're right. and see that you are, in fact, white. You don't look any less bigoted. There's nothing that you can say that can prove to me that you're less bigoted. But please continue, you bigot. It's sad that that's true. You know, I mean, it literally is. That's not parody. That's like actually <laughs> where we're at today. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that, and I think Jack Dorsey has actually talked about this before, but he, they, they want to have accountability on social media, especially Twitter. Um, well, so they say, right. But, um, if you had an edit button and there was like a time frame, you know what I mean? So if you like made it, if, if you tweeted something out and then, I don't know, let's say they gave you 10 minutes, you know, from the moment 10 you, minutes is even, that's long. It's too long. Yeah. You, I mean, you could, it could be seconds, could be 60 seconds, 36 seconds or 
I'd minute? say maybe 60 to 90. Okay. You guys let us know what you think. I'm because I'm very curious to see what the average what the average answer would be. Yeah, because I hate it that someone like Nancy Pelosi can say something ridiculously stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, she but she has a she already does that so well, you know, on TV and all that <laughs> stuff. Does. Don't give her another outlet to you know right. to hide her stupidity. Right. But just let it go. You know, let, let it out there. And I, I also want to say that I think that news uh, news organizations, especially news organizations, specifically them, like New York Times, Washington Post, whatever. They should require, like in their contract for employment, mm-hmm. that everything they say on their Twitter account is they're gonna it's gonna be regulated by them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't just say whatever you want when you are when you work for this company. Like it or not, even on social media, you represent this company. So well, when it's or or don't don't get verified. Do you think that that's that that would be an appropriate solution? Don't get verified and don't don't identify yourself as a reporter. If you want to have a personal Twitter account where you want to comment on, you know, cat videos and whatever you want your own personal thoughts, don't get the blue check mark and, and put in your bio that you're a reporter for the, for the New York times. Would that be fair? Or that would still be maybe you you can't you specifically couldn't put in your bio I am a reporter for New York times. Right. Like that's, they were, they put that as a badge of honor. The right. very first line, what we yeah. said before, maybe, Maybe, um, I, but I also don't like random Joe Schmo reporter that works for the New York Times just automatically being gifted a blue check mark. Right, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, I have a blue check mark, which is probably a sham. Yeah, I actually don't really agree <laughs> with the fact that Jason Petrola has a blue check mark. It's funny. Hold on, it's really funny that you say that because I think it was over. I think it was this weekend. Um, my husband actually, I was reading something in my timeline of yours, and my husband, who is a director here, so Jason knows him. Uh, he was like. Jason has a blue check mark. He was like, "How did Jason get a blue check mark?" And what's, I said, "I don't know. I'll have to ask him." What's funny is they they've clamped down on it before, yeah. but I I just I I had a couple people at the time uh, with parody accounts uh, of me, and I, I believe oh. it was like the last time I went to uh, Iraq and mm-hmm. did some, did some did some questionable uh, things. Yeah, and so would you care to get into those questionable no, things? No, no, oh, okay, not at all. Okay, um, but I. Uh, I, I there was a couple of parody accounts, so then I they had a system before yes, they clamped down on if it. If you have parody accounts, you have to be verified. You just had to show mm-hmm. like you had to show you where you were, like show your license and mm-hmm. like go through the application process. Mm-hmm. And pretty much anyone that did that, pretty much was get granted a blue check mark. Yeah, it doesn't work that way anymore. I think they shut it that the process down. Did they really? I think so because people were abusing, abusing it somehow. It. Yeah, it remember. is. It is very interesting. I know we're getting off topic, but it is very interesting who seeing who gets a blue check mark and who doesn't. And by the way, I'm really mad at Instagram because I'm verified on Facebook and on Twitter, but somehow even though Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same, right? <laughs> they won't Instagram will not verify me. Yeah. They keep refusing to verify me. And I'm just like, here's my license, here's my like here I'm this is the show that I'm on every day. Will you please verify me? They say no. Uh, and if you are in the public Racist. eye, there is a chance that's and it homophobic. Is. There is a Just chance saying. that you're going to be, you know, someone's going to use what you say or use your likeness, you know, to make right. make it appear that you said something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they could easily make a Twitter account, like, uh, you know, 
at Sarah Gonzalez TXXX or something like that and have you seen Whoa, some really bad what's things? what's on that? Right, I, I don't know, but I'm going to create that one no. right now. <laughs> no deep fakes. Here we go. Please, no deep fakes on Sarah Gonzalez TXXX, please. Um, but yeah, but so they, they could have you saying some stuff that you didn't say, but you, they could, like, did you ever remember that parody count, the Sean Spicer parody count, Sean Spicier? Yes, that was my one of my favorite parody accounts. It had his same profile picture. Yes. People actually thought, so they like, did. right after he would cut, stop or say something he would start tweeting like mad and everyone like you would have real people like politicians would say oh my gosh did you see what trump's campaign uh, spokesman just said yes it was so great so funny but um but no I, I think that i think that uh news outlets need to become more proactive and 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 you know managing the behavior of their employees mm-hmm. if their employees don't like it you can go work for somewhere else you can write a blog yeah, crying a out free loud. market but um, but they need to do something about this because this is getting bad. So it doesn't matter if you if you didn't actually write the article, but then you go off on to, on social media and write all those things that you want to be true right. aren't necessarily true. But what do right. you want to be true? Right. It's it, it discredits the place that you work for. Yeah. And it does. It's not surprising that all of these. Uh, yeah. But okay. But they, like, do they really care? Do you think the New York Times cares no. if they have people who are perpetuating well, this narrative that white supremacy is alive and well in the United States? I mean, look at this poor Empire star who nobody knew and now everybody knows and he got attacked. And I mean, like, I don't think the the the, the heads of these news organizations don't really care that their people are doing it because they want to push that narrative, too. You're exactly right. They're all pretty much all of these news outlets are centered in New York City. Mm-hmm. They all have New York City politics. They all hang out at the same New York City bars. They all go to eat after, you know, during lunch and after dinner with one another. They're all saying the same things. They all believe in the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter. Their social media profile matches or activity matches what they talk about in their newsrooms. Right. Now they do realize that they have to try and show some uh, ethics when right. they actually write. Wait. Sometimes. Some what? No, so, I'm not what's that excluding CN, excluding CNN and Washington Post near ethics well, excluding them all I guess <laughs> <laughs> well except the blaze.com but so. right all right except for us but we're not in New York no so but but it's no it's but it's so funny like all of these news outlets will use the same buzzwords mm-hmm. you'll see it on Twitter you'll see it on Facebook you'll see it in their their articles they all use the same stuff because they're all hanging out with each other. They're all talking. They all share the same ideas with with one another. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't get any variety. Right. They're all left leaning, regardless of if they're fair and balanced or if democracy dies in darkness. <sighs> um, they're they're they all have the same uh, ideology. I yeah. mean, it's 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 ridiculous. See, even Fox News has got you know, has got you know, New York area liberals working for their for their company. Yeah. I. It's just. I don't know. It, it, it's a it's it's the reason why we don't have variety of news right now. It's the reason why they become propagandists instead of news. You know, it, it's it's the reason why we've had our decline right now. There's got to be some kind of. There's got to be more variety. Luckily, we're kind of contributing to providing an alternate voice out there. Kind of. We're not kind of contributing to that. We are that. Yeah. I'm really proud of what we've done here. Straight up. At Blaze TV. We've got so many different voices. We don't have a clamp on anyone, you know, to say, oh, well, if you say something that is too pro-Trump, you're going to make people mad. You can't say it. And vice versa. You can't, you know, no one is telling us, oh, it, I would not say something that's that anti-Trump because... You might make our viewers mad. No, we are able to say what we want to say, um, you know, and have our alternative voices. And we're all, you know, this is the big tent. 
that Republicans talked about for so long that, you know, we needed to have this big tent. I feel like Blaze TV is is the big tent that conservatives have been longing for this entire time. Um, Really quickly, because I almost gagged, almost threw up. I think I did throw up a little (laughs) bit in my mouth when um, I listened to Ellen Page, uh, who... I don't know if you know, but had someone very interesting to blame when she was discussing the Jesse Smollett attack uh, on what was it? The Late Show. Uh, Yes. On The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She had very poignant, uh, insightful things to say about this awful homophobic attack. Let's listen. He believes in conversion therapy. Oh, Mike Pence. He has hurt LGBTQ people so badly as the government of Indiana. And I think the thing we need to know, and I hope my show Gaycation did this, in terms of connecting the dots, in terms of what happened the other day. Let's to connect- Jesse, I don't know him mm. personally. I, saw, I sent all of my love. Mm-hmm. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. This is what happens. If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them. Mm, yes. You go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. Yes. What do you think is going to happen? Trying to cause suffering? That's, Kids are going to be abused and they're going to kill themselves. And people are going to be beaten on the street. Mm. Mm. So so insightful. Um so I mean I just I could feel the raw emotion as her voice wavered when she was talking about Mike Pence, Hates who people. dedicated his entire career to making people suffer. I mean, I remember when he was, um, you know, putting gay people in concentration camps. Yeah, there was that. He was, uh, he just, he himself went with like an axe and just started beheading them. That part was bad. Right? Yeah. I mean. But would you classify that as hate? Really? I, well, that's a great point. That's a great point. I don't know. Uh, it did happen, though. I guess screw it. Let's I just think he it. did it lovingly. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he he did it lovingly. It was in a loving way. I mean, wait, how wait, so, so, people... so, Seriously, though, what did he do against uh, gay people in, in, when he was governor of Indiana? Was it the was it the marriage law? Yes. I, bl- I mean, I assume that that's what she's alluding to, which is okay. absolutely ridiculous. I mean, of course, it's an actor who would try to say uh, the fact that he was religious... And that he believed that the, you know, the Bible allows for only marriage between a man and a woman. And he wanted to live out his beliefs or he wanted the state to live out those beliefs or whatever the case may be, that that means he wanted to cause suffering to an entire group of people. Yeah. Um, the, the GOP completely botched the gay marriage scenario and they lost they 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 just completely screwed up a perfect opportunity to get less government versus more mm-hmm. now instead of arguing for marriage they should have said look the federal government has no business exactly. in marriage in whatsoever marriage at all the fact that i when i just got married at the end of last year i had to go to the county clerk's office and go submit paperwork and pay that's stupid so that so that reverend dr glenn beck could sign our marriage license and then submit it to the county was absolutely ridiculous that 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 is the prime example of wasteful uh government red tape that we have to go through thanks for taking my 81 dollars. now so ridiculous now instead of i mean granted if you're a christian you have issues uh with with this 
you have a dog in this fight. But the government, the Christians in government didn't have to fight that fight. They really didn't stick to stick to the government uh, policies on this. Nine times out of ten, it's going to align with Christian values. Mm -hmm. But less government would have won the day. You could have won the entire LGBT elemental P uh, community on this. You could have won them. Mm-hmm. They would have been cheering you on, but you screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state of Oklahoma just introduced a bill, I want to say like about a month ago, where uh, they are trying to get the government out of marriage in the state of Oklahoma. I love that. So awesome. I love that. Finally, someone is be- getting smart on this. <laughs> um, you literally, you, you, I mean, if... Do you think it'll pass, though? I don't think it will. <laughs> Why? I mean, there, there, in, in what world? In what world does the United States, any 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 state government, federal government, what, government, whatever, in, in 2019, they're going to take away power from themselves? Yeah, they never give it away. They won't. That's the problem with the national emergency thing. You know, once you steal power, once you maintain power, very rarely do, do they give it back. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I think there's there's a lot of hurdles to jump over with it because there, what do you do about citizenship? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do like you know? In, I don't know cases of divorce. Like how do you handle right. that type of stuff? There, like, yeah, I mean, I guess there should be some sort of like uh, registry of who is married and who's not. But you certainly shouldn't have to get it approved somehow yeah. by the government. But I would like to just say I would have loved to have seen the messaging. Uh, you know, for Mike Pence and those politicians who believe that a marriage should just be between a man and a woman. Look, which, again, this is something that you just quoted Hillary Clinton and Barack okay. Obama and, and Barack Bar- Obama. But before what it was like uh, in the middle of his presidency, that he all of a sudden changed his mind. Oh, yeah, because they saw the tide, yep. which way the tide was going. Right. Right. So, I mean, but you never heard people like Ellen Page criticizing at this level Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama. No. They wouldn't do it. No. But now it's like, oh my gosh, when he was, when Mike Pence was governor, Hillary Clinton, no, she probably didn't. How long was Mike Pence governor? I don't know. If only you had a device in front of you that would I know, allow I you Google to this type stuff. in this information. Um, yeah, Google that really quick. Or, or, uh, or I can beat you. Let's see. see. He, was. It, he was governor. Jason, you're killing me. He was governor from <laughs> 2013 to 2017. Okay, Hillary Clinton might have. I can't remember when she said that, but it might have been before that. But regardless, yeah. they weren't talking about it when she was saying these things. Or actually, that's when Barack Obama was saying those things. Yes. That was before his big pivot. Yes, exactly. Which oh, he was al- which he was allowed to do, right? But today, in 2019, a conservative says something, or even not a conservative. Who was it? Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy, James Gun. Dun, James Dunn, Gun. James Gunn. Um, he was, uh, you know, he could say whatever he wanted on Twitter and he could not apologize for it. Right. He didn't. He, he there was nothing that he could say. Everyone banished him from society. He's not allowed to work. He's not allowed to have a career. He's not allowed to do any of those things. Um, Kevin Hart. They tried to do that to him. But somehow Barack Obama is allowed to have this major epiphany on what they say is trying to promote the suffering of a group of people and something that serious, he gets a pass on, but Mike Pence doesn't, I guess. But really, honestly, I think that the GOP missed their mark because where the effective messaging would have been on this issue, on the, you know, marriage should be between a man and a woman issue is, look, we don't want you guys to have to go through the awful marriage struggles that we do. We're helping you guys. We're 
giving you an out. You don't have to worry about divorce. You don't have to worry about <laughs> marital spats. You don't have to worry about being faithful. We're going to take on that burden for you guys. And we're going to give you guys the pass out. You're welcome. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Why didn't they Why didn't they tell me? Why didn't they ask me to come help them with this effective messaging? We're like, we're just doing you guys a favor because we haven't been doing so great with the whole marriage thing. Uh, you know, as heterosexual couples, many people are, uh, you know, they cheat on their wives and husbands. And this isn't going great for us. <laughs> We're just going to give you guys the out. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has been a blast filling in for Steve Dace. I believe that he will be back tomorrow. But uh, Sarah Gonzalez and Jason Buttrell, always a pleasure. And we will see you guys next time. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.